Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to United Hour, your one-stop shop for all things Manchester United. I'm your host, Nick. And I'm Ashwin. Yeah, we've got Ashwin joining us all the way from New York. We are recording on Valentine's Day. Uh, I get to do that now because I've been married long enough that my wife doesn't expect anything from me on Valentine's Day anymore. She gave up on that a long time ago. So that's what I tell all you young lads out there. Set the expectations low early and then you'll be all right. Um, But yeah, the more important thing that's happened on Valentine's Day today actually is that Sir Jim Ratcliffe has finally had his deal to buy 25% of Manchester United approved by the Football Association and the Premier League. We will talk a lot about that in the second part of the show. But yeah, we are going to kick off with the football. Uh, We had a good win against Aston Villa on the weekend. That now makes us four wins in a row, six matches unbeaten. And yeah, look, we're starting to put together a bit of form. Um, We're back in that kind of race for Champions League places. I mean, Ushwin, I don't know where you're at. You've not been on the pod for a while. You know, Imran had given up on the season and he's not the only one. A lot of people had. I still always had that hope that I always keep having. I mean, uh, you thought the season was a write-off. A lot of our fans did. And where are you at now? Uh, I mean, yeah, I, 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 I still, I, I don't know. It's hard to like really make sense of this team or this season. Uh, zero goal, like they have zero goal difference through 24 matches. Um, they have had no continuity because of all the injuries that have happened over the past, what, I mean, since the start of the season, really. Um, we've just been completely shattered with injuries. Um, but I think, I guess, if there is a good thing that's come from that, uh, you've had introduction, forced introduction, really, of two key young players, uh, Ma- Kobe Mainu and uh, Garnacho. So, like, I mean, Garnacho, we obviously got to see last year, but he's being forced to really... There's no alternative, really. You have to start him on the right. And that's been a good thing. I think those two are showing that uh, they're adding something to this team that we needed, and that's good because even with, uh, you know, some of our veteran players back, you know, Casemiro, Shaw, whatever, um, I think you need... It's obvious that to me, anyway, this team lacks some level of athleticism. I think Mainu... Uh, gives you something in possession in midfield that really no other option in that spot has, has given us. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I guess where I'm at with this team, I don't know. a month ago, I would have said the season was over. It's a write-off. I was right there. 
they've put themselves in a position now where they have a chance. Uh, I think they're five points off of Villa, um, and they're six off Tottenham. Obviously, we know that Spurs can always Spurs, um, so you have a chance. But, you know, I think it's more important just to see how they play, and I, that's been the more encouraging thing for me in the recent matches. It's not so much... I mean, the results, obviously, yeah, don't get me wrong. Winning is, is pretty fun, but it's how they're playing. You can actually see, like, some attacking purpose, intent, and threat, and because of that, now you're seeing Hoyland, right? He, like, I, I was actually never really worried about him because, to me, we weren't even creating chances. So when he was having this huge goal drought, I was, not, I was just not that worried because, to me, it was not like there was a catalog of errors. I was actually talking to my friend about this, and I was like... I always knew he was good because you never saw one of those, you know, like with Darwin, how many compilations have you seen of missed chances, right? Um, there was never any of those with Hoyland because he, he doesn't really miss like many sitters from what we've seen and we weren't creating chances. And now that he's getting chances, he's finishing them um, right now at a very, I mean, at a, at a really great rate. But, um, you know, just seeing all of these younger pieces coming in and then just generally the team looking better um it helps a lot i mean i think at the bare minimum you feel a little bit better about like just where this the club is at the moment obviously not even close to where you want them to be um but maybe not as far off as it looked like at times early in the season yeah exactly that as i said you know i always keep in the hope i always said once our injured players come back Maybe we can put on a bit of a run. And yeah, that is happening now. Uh, as I said, six matches unbeaten, four wins in a row. And yeah, three Premier League wins in a row. Um, Hoyland, Hoyland goal started us off again. You know, he's now scored five games in a row. And this was a proper kind of poacher's goal that kicked us off in this Villa game. And this was a proper six-pointer, as you say, the one place above us in the table. We were kind of feeling a bit marooned away from that Champions League place is but this kind of win puts us right back in there we are still like you say six points off fourth place five points off fifth place but there's still plenty of this season to go and if we can you know get this kind of run of form going there's no reason as for us not to get back on that um are you the uh, only worries are you you excited about rooting for city and liverpool in europe so that (laughs) becomes a champions league spot (laughs) Yeah, that is going to be probably the dilemma. As soon as I understood (laughs) how this was going to work about this fifth Champions League place, I absolutely knew we were going to end up in this scenario. (laughs) Like, uh, you know, anyone who still hasn't understood how it works, there is potentially a fifth Champions League space up for grabs. It's all going to depend how our clubs perform in Europe this season. And yeah, we could well be needing the likes of City, the likes of Liverpool to progress in Europe to give us that fifth spot. Um, but anyway, listen, hopefully it doesn't come to that. We'll still, but yeah, as like I said, I knew that it was, this is going to start becoming that dilemma. But look, let's focus on this Villa game. We've now beaten Villa twice in the space of a couple of months. You know, they're on their best season possibly ever in the Premier League. I mean, for a long, long time. I do. I did have a flashback to Villa coming second or third way back when, uh, still in the Premier League era. But yeah, it's a long, long time since they've been challenging for anything. And yeah, Unai Emre's done a very good job there. But yeah, for us to beat them twice, once was around Christmas time and again now is big. Um, the XG from this game was 2.65 Villa, 2.45 to us, so pretty even maybe showing we were... Uh, slightly lucky to come out with this win 
Um, but yeah, look, it's a big one, as we say. Hoyland kicks us off in there, a proper poacher's goal. Uh, nice to get something from that kind of set piece, you know, Harry Maguire getting his head to it, because our set pieces have generally been awful at both ends. Awful defending, and we hardly ever score from them. So yeah, to actually make something happen on that side makes a big, big difference. Um, you know, that was the only slight interesting thing from the lineup here. It's been good that we're finally getting a settled lineup. We talked about this on the last podcast, first time this season, kind of settle front four and Mainu Casemiro are making that midfield work. That, was, that those were the big questions. It was all about that midfield. And he tried these different combos. Mount earlier in the season was not working. McTominay had a lot of starts. Amrabat was thrown in there just because there was no other options. And it just wasn't the right combo. But we're finally getting Mainu and Casemiro. And they are the right kind of balance. Uh, You know, Casemiro doing still most of the defensive work. But he was being made to do it all on his own earlier in the season. Whereas Mainu seems to have enough of an engine, enough of in football intelligence to help out when he needs to do it. Uh, but yeah, the only slight interest for the lineup that day was what was happening at centre-back. Because unfortunately, Sandro Martinez came out injured. And he has gone with Maguire and Varane, which I think is the right decision. You know, earlier in the season, there was a lot of controversy about him preferring Maguire to Varane. And Varane spending a lot of time on the bench and he was picking Lindelof. He was picking, you know, even last season, Luke Shaw was getting chances. And yeah, he he, he made this big deal about he wanted a left footer, a left-sided player. Uh, Johnny Evans was getting games as well ahead of Varane. And people thought Varane was going to leave. But no, I think he's now realised that there's no need to focus so much on this left-sided thing. And the the better partnership out of all of these is Maguire and Varane. Even if they're not super suited, they're not the perfect partnership. It is still the best option we go with while Martinez is out. Um, And as I said, Maguire's done his bit even to actually get the assist for that goal, which I was very happy with because he's in my fantasy football team. I've had him for a few months and he had that bit of injury, but yeah, had him sat on the bench there and he came in after a couple of players were out. So yeah, it is good to see. Um, but yeah, I did you think we deserved this win? Some people are looking at it. Um, Onana comes out as man of the match in this game. And I think it must be the first time he is for us. I mean, I do remember him saving a late penalty in the Champions League game. It's the only other time I kind of feel that Onana actually won us some points. Uh, So I'd say, apart from that day, this is only the kind of second occasion where you can say he's actually made a difference for us in a match. Um, Yeah, I thought he was really good in this. He's had a couple of decent games. He had away to Everton. He was also really good in that. Um, But yeah, this was a really good performance from him. I for me was I thought Maguire was man of the match. Um, just I he was incredible. I think I think he won something like eleven of twelve duels. I think he won seven of like he challenged for seven aerials. He won all seven aerials. Um, I thought some of his passing out of the back was good. He didn't have a you know one of the classic like oh shit Maguire moments, which was also good in this game. Um, there was one. There was one in was the first half. And I it? think he got away with it. I think it was one of Onana ended in one of Onana's saves. There was one moment, slight yeah. dodgy. But but yeah, I thought he was really good. I mean, and it, you know, you mentioned the assist he had. Even on the first corner we got, he got his head on it. Um, he, he almost could have scored on that one. So he was just a threat 
in the box uh, for for both like both ways, you know. And and I got I, I think he just deserves a lot of credit. I think he's shown a lot of character this season. Um, a player that I mean I, I still don't know why England fans are booing him because to me he's always been good for England. Um, but he was getting a lot of stick from United fans also. And you know, however you feel about him, I just don't understand like, especially match going fans. I mean, he's getting boos over here when he when they when United did the preseason tour. Like, I, I don't get that at all. Um, yeah, that did go way over the top. Yeah. And I'll tell you, there isn't many many match going fans at Old Trafford who yeah. ever booed Harry Maguire. Yeah. There might be a very small. You're talking about like one percent. And yeah. sometimes as well, it's a bit ironic and it's stupid. Like. Fans generally at Old Trafford yeah. don't boo that much either. You have to have done something pretty bad. Like, you know, I can remember Wayne Rooney asking for a transfer and right, getting right, booed, right. things like that. It doesn't yeah. generally yeah. happen that much. Yeah, but he, I thought he was really good. And then just to answer your question about, like, you know, who uh, do we deserve to win? Who cares? Uh, like, it, honestly, if you're just doing it on merit, I think a draw is probably, like, the fairest result of that match. But you've got to nick points where you can nick them. And Villa didn't capitalize on our... Like, if this was the other way around, right? If we were Villa and Villa was us, what would we What would we be saying? We wouldn't be saying, oh, we deserve to win. We'd be saying, this is what happens when you don't put away your chances. This is what happens when you don't kill a game off. And they didn't kill, they, they didn't kill the game off. They had chances. They didn't take their chances. Um, you know, Luis Douglas was too busy uh, shimming his titties uh, to, 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 to put away his second chance, which... You know, I actually, I, I'm not sure, D D Dalo also played a really good game, great assist for the winner, but, like, he nearly gifted them, right? He nearly gifted Luis that second opportunity, and um, Luis didn't capitalize on it. They had a couple of others, and, you know, and for the same token, it's not as if, like, we had two chances and those are the only two chances we scored, right? Like, Garnacho went close before uh, McTominay scores the winner. Rashford had a few chances. I mean, I, I think that... This match was really seesaw. I mean, the first 20 minutes, we controlled. I, I thought even before the goal, I was like, wow, this is Im impressive. You know, away to Villa, a team, as you mentioned, has been in great form. I think they might still be like second or third in points in the Prem since Emery came in. And like to go to away, and, and they were, I'm sure they were jacked up for this game because they had lost midweek to Chelsea 3-0 at, at Villa also at Villa Park. So you know that they wanted to bounce back. And and you could tell Emery, I mean, he's always kind of like vocal on the touchline, but I thought he was really, really animated throughout this match. Um, and yeah, I mean, and I, I got to say, like, Ten Hag has deservedly gotten a lot of criticism for things this season. And I wasn't sure on the substitution he made, but it takes some balls to take Rashford off there, bring McTominay on, um, move Garnacho to the left, kind of play Bruno off to the right a little bit. Um, and and it worked. I thought we got a lot more control back in the match after that point, and we looked more threatening. And then obviously, to cap it off, McTominay scores, you know, uh, just a, that's just a beautiful header. Just thumping header. Uh, and again, that the interplay, the buildup to that goal is so good. Varane, like, lofts this ball over the top into Mainu, Mainu dribbles out of a tough spot, and then Dalo just first-time cross. Like, it, it's it's one of the best goals. Like, just a really satisfying goal, I think is probably the best way to put it. And, uh, yeah, it was, like, it was a, the atmosphere in that match was great. You could tell, like, that the crowd was into it. It was a really, 
really good one. And to come away with three points there is nice. And like you mentioned, it's we played Villa twice twice the season, and both matches have been awesome. They've been fantastic. They've probably been two of our best wins this season. So uh, to to get to get six points off of them this season, considering the form we've been in, uh, it's it's definitely it's definitely something. So um, yeah, no, I mean, I, deserved win. Yeah, I think it it's a deserved win. If it if it's a tight match and you nick it, like I don't think there's anything not deserved about that. Yeah, fair enough. And I mean, yeah, I kind of agree with you. We started pretty well. I thought we deserved our lead. The Villa did then really push, and it was not that surprising they got this equaliser. Uh, did you go to this? A few saves. I did not go to this at yeah. Villa Park. Uh, you know, it's a nightmare to get away tickets. So yeah, I was not at this game, unfortunately. In fact, I haven't got even one away ticket this entire season uh, so far. You know, the way it works for season ticket holders is you throw your hat in a ballot and it's just the luck of the draw for every game. And I haven't even got one away ticket through my season tickets <laughs> this season. Uh, got two, maybe three last year. And yeah, that's about it. How you get nowadays. Uh, you know, obviously some other people, they pay way over the odds to touts to get hold of these tickets. Yeah, and right. a lot of the hardcore kind of away fans get pretty upset, at, you know, the kind of fans who end up in the away end. But yeah, look, that's the way it's going to be. Uh, and yeah, it is always the best atmosphere in days like that, especially. Um, but look, as you say, Villa probably deserved that goal. And that was the satisfying thing. Often this season, we started pretty well. We might have gone one up. But when Villa scored, you were really worried about them scoring again. You know, that's the way it's gone a lot this season. So for us to hold on and instead come back for that win is the big change. Uh, I mean, I know you have been one of Scott McTominay's biggest critics. You, for a long time, have said he shouldn't be anywhere near the team. What is he doing there? But look, you cannot argue with his goal return this season. It's just ridiculous. Uh, he is our yeah. Premier League top scorer with seven goals. Um, we've got Rashford, Garnacho, and Oyland on five behind him. And he's played less minutes than any of those as well. Um, yeah, look, he just he just seems to... He's been out, has played out of position for too long. I mean, that can be the only kind of conclusion from his goal-scoring record this season. Yeah, and I think it's like... I have been really, really critical of him. And it's mostly like he's just not a, he's not a midfielder. He's not a midfielder, and he's when you start him, there's a difference between coming on as a sub and starting a match, right? And like it's very obvious that there is something to what he provides when he comes on as a sub. He won us the match against Brentford. I, I think Laurie Whitwell had an article this week on the Athletic. He he made made the point. McTominay's seven goals aren't just that he scored seven goals. They've won United 12 mm. points. Um, and in fact, that's... he's got the stat for winning the most points with goals of any player in the Premier League this season. Yeah. He He's won over 25% of our points for us this season. So, like, that is a massive contribution from a player who, you know, at least in terms of when you're listing the squad out, you view him as a central midfielder. But I think it's becoming very apparent that's not what he is. I mean, and Scotland has obviously reaped the benefits of this too by pushing him forward more. Um, and, and like, it's not just that he's a big body. He has this knack for making runs uh, into the box. And he also has a clean strike on him. Uh, you know, we haven't seen too much of that yet this season. But, like, when he gets an opportunity to line it up outside the box or right at the top of the box, he, he gets good contact very frequently. And even when he misses, I don't think he misses by very much. So... 
Um, there, he is better. Like he, where he is good, where he becomes alive is in that opposition box. Like he is a real, real threat. Uh, when you get into that area, it's in the middle third and the defensive third where he's a liability, and that's why when you play him deeper, it's a problem. But in fairness, and I think this is like where it's hard to kind of just like separate, you know, all of the shit that's happened this season is like he almost had to play McTominay at times in central midfield because Mount was out. So that option, even if you don't like that option, he doesn't have that option, right? Erickson cannot last full matches. And usually he, he at most he can give you one half, right? So that's not really an option. Mainu is injured. Casemiro was injured. was injured. Right. Yeah. So you just didn't have options. So he kind of had to play McTominay there. So while that's frustrating for me as a fan, and I can just sit here and be like, what a stupid decision. Like, don't play him in midfield. He didn't really have a lot of options. Um, and I, look, there's always going to be the, well, maybe that's why you don't spend $55 million on Mount. You know, you spent $80 million on Anthony. You should have bought it. This per- that's a separate thing to me. That's, that, the transfer stuff is different from, okay, this is the squad as it is. How do you pick this team? So I think there has to be some sympathy for Ten Hag in that. Um, I think what is what it at times has been frustrating is that even when he seems to have other options, he has still gone back to the well with McTominay in midfield. But when you use him as a super sub in the way that he has used him several times this season, I think that player, when you push him up forward, right, when you're chasing a goal, you're chasing the game, whatever, he is a threat. And he's proven to be capable of big decisive moments. Um, so if if you can keep him to that role i it's pretty clear i think he's done enough for again both united and scotland over the last 12 to 18 months when used in that capacity that you'd have to say like he's proven that at at bare minimum there is some value he gives to you as a squad player and obviously as we talked about the points he's won us alone i think that undersells how valuable he has been for them this season yeah, and look, as I said, earlier in the season, we weren't scoring goals. He was the one who was delivering them. Uh, and yeah, I just think we're now seeing that he's basically been played out of position for most of his career so far. Uh, he should be a player who's further forward and his goal scoring possibly is his best attribute. Uh, we will take a quick break there. We will come back to finish talking about this Villa game and then talk a lot about what's going on with Sir Jim Ratcliffe. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Back for part two of the podcast. We were talking all about super sub Scott McTominay. And... Um, 
and yeah, it is weird that he's a player that was played defensive midfield and then even more like centre back. You know, he was off even for Scotland. Even for Scotland, I remember Jamie coming on and saying, "Oh, he's playing in this three-man defence mostly yeah, for Scotland," yeah. but <laughs> he's now been yeah thrown right the other half and. Yeah, everybody's reaping the benefits. And like you say, for somebody who can come in from the subs bench, I'm okay with that. I have said time and time again that I think we're so lacking up front. And I really thought we were going to bring in somebody in this window on loan, anyone. But look, if Scoot Super Scott McTominay is going to be our kind of sub striker option, I'm kind of okay with that, you know, rather than bringing in Eric Chupa Motting or something yeah. like that. And I think, and I think the main reason why, like, he. I, He's good playing off of a striker. Like he's not actually, you know, the proper center forward, right? He's playing off of off of the 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 man leading the line, right? off off Hoyland. So he's able to attack the space that kind of Hoyland leaves behind him when he um, makes runs. And I think the problem is like we Bruno plays ten for us, and and most teams are not going to want to play two up top, especially given like for what McTominay can do. Yeah, he can score goals. But he doesn't add much in all-around play. And obviously, over the course of a match, that's pretty important for 90 minutes. So I think it's hard. Like, But he's also big, and he's he is strong. He's athletic. Like he When he does make runs with the ball in midfield, you can see it's hard to bring him down. Um, so I think it's been hard for managers to kind of figure out, okay, well, I like him. I like what he provides. And then you just keep, like, to your point, you're like, well, I guess I'll try him in a three-man defense. Didn't Jose do that once, too? Joseph yeah, he did. Then he ended night, up right? subbing him. I remember yeah. he played him centre back and he got subbed because he had a bit of a nightmare. Yeah. Um, but yeah, look, it is actually interesting to mention Bruno because Scott McTominay has now got seven goals this season. Yep. Bruno Fernandes has only got three. We're talking. I'm talking about the Premier League only. And Scott McTominay's paid about half the minutes that Bruno has. Bruno's at 2,070 minutes this season. Scott's at 1,100. And so in about half the minutes, he scored seven goals. And of course, Bruno even takes penalties. Uh, I mean, to be fair, Bruno has got a few assists. He's on five in the Premier League. Uh, uh, Scott's only on one. But still, I, you know, I don't actually, I'm not going to go into it in detail on this podcast, but Bruno's had a pretty disappointing season. Um, he's what exactly is he delivering for us? You know, normally he's way up on like, the assists, getting a few goals. You know, I still remember that season under Ole when he was like 20 goals plus in that season. Uh, he's just not really doing that for us anymore. And that definitely will be a topic to discuss in a future podcast. But yeah, as I say, comparing the kind of goal scoring record of the sub Scott versus Bruno is pretty crazy. Um the only downside from this game, and it was the same on the last podcast, the big downside was Lissandro Martinez getting injured, is that Luke Shaw comes out at half-time. Victor Lindelof comes in at full-back. I mean, this was another one that I talked about when the transfer window was open. You know, we let Reguion leave on loan. And I said, you know, this seems a bit of a risk to me on players staying fit. We have Aaron Wan-Bissaka out. We still see nothing of Tyrell Malassia the entire season. I don't know where he is, what's going on with him. So we end up playing Victor Lindelof at uh, fullback. And yeah, this has been my worry about the amount of players we let go. That if that it was a gamble on players staying fit and already... Martinez is out for a while. Luke Shaw apparently is not so badly injured and may still be available this weekend, but let's go and see what happens there, you know. And it's not great if your option is playing Lindelof at fullback. Is 
definitely a problem. And I think it was definitely a big part of the reason why Villa really did push us that second half and looked a lot more likely to score. But yeah, thankfully we did regroup and, you know, our midfield did its business and we held on for that win. A big, big win. But yeah, that is my only slight worry about going in. You know, talk about the players coming back and we can go on a bit of a run. But already Martinez out. Sure, we're not sure uh, what's going on with his injury. And yeah, we remain to see. Because yeah, they were the big two for me coming back. Sure and Martinez. And if they're back out injured again, then yeah, I can't see us going on this big kind of run back into the Champions League places that we're hoping for. Um, unless there's anything else you have to remember from that Villa game, did I f- forget any major talking points? I don't think so. Um, not that I can remember, but yeah, I mean, I guess the one thing is, I thought Rashford actually played. I, I the only thing, I, like lately, the last two matches especially, but he's been in, in better form. You can visibly see that he's playing more, like been more of a threat. Uh, I but I saw people that were still, and I get it, like frustrating that. Didn't get on the score sheet. Um, didn't he? Didn't he? Didn't necessarily maximize the opportunities he had. But when I watch him right now, I'm like, I think he's really close to. There's, I think he's gonna have a monster game some at some some point soon because you can see how close he is. He looks like he's moving better. He seems to have a much better understanding with Hoyland and Garnacho than he had prior to the last you know five six seven matches. Um, but I, I want to. I know this is not necessarily uh, your favorite thing, but I, I have. Let if Rashford closes the season well, one, he has a chance to. Funny enough, like, look, like you might look at the end of the season, he might end up with like you know, thirteen, fourteen goals, six, seven assists. It won't look that bad. Um, but if he does close the season well, I really wonder if that's like, is, is that the moment where, if you're ruthless, you're just like, all right, this is when we sell him. I do wonder that going into the end of the season. That's something I'm thinking about a lot. Well, look, we could talk about that later in the season, (laughs) about what goes on in the summer and all. But yeah, I've always been a big defender of Marcus Rashford. I did say on the last podcast, I was disappointed in this kind of Belfast um, episode. But look, he came back, uh, he took the punishment and he's back on the pitch doing his thing. I do understand people's frustrations. You know, there was more once or twice in this Villa game where he's keeping hold of the ball too long. He's trying to do too much when a little pass can make the difference. And yeah, that is why people get frustrated. But he has definitely been in a lot better form for sure. And, uh, you know, that's the thing I'd want to focus on. But yeah, as I say, now we have that liberty of only talking about one match for most of this podcast uh you know another pod recently we've had to talk about three matches four matches but yeah we are mostly only going to be playing one game a week for the rest of this season and uh, it's nice for us gives us chance to like focus on more things rather than just going from one match to another <clears throat> but yeah the big news we do want to talk about is the ownership side confirmed today that Sergio Kralovka's deal to buy 25% has now been approved by the FA and Premier League. There's still some stuff going on in USA. I don't know if you know anything about that. I know you work on the financial side of things. I haven't looked at every little small detail, but yeah, there's still this kind of thing going on with the listing out in the New York Stock Exchange that has to be completed. And I think that's got till the end of Friday night. Um, Is that what it is? Is that when they have to approve it by? Yeah, they've given all the minor shareholders till Friday night to say who is ready to sell their shares as well. And that's the thing, that Ratcliffe had to 
make an offer to buy all the shares, uh, 25% from each of those holders, and they're just given a few more days. So that's the last bit of kind of admin before the whole thing is approved. So that should happen by Monday, basically. And it's just going to, I think it still isn't clear whether he's just going to buy 25% off each of these people or he has the option of buying more, apparently, as far as I understand, something like 37% of those minor shareholders are ready to sell out to him. But the main thing was him buying this chunk from the Glazer family. The other bit is all kind of admin stuff that he's forced to do just to keep everybody happy. But yeah, that 25% from the Glazers is done, is confirmed. That gives him control over the footballing side of the club. And although it is not the full sale that I was hoping for, it is still a massive step in the right direction. We've already seen a big move with Omar Barada being installed as the CEO. We're still not sure exactly when that might happen. It might have to wait till summer. But yeah, there's now the kind of rumours start about the next places. And the big one after that is, you know, it's got different kind of names, sporting director, director of football. But yeah, it is the guy who will be below the CEO on the kind of footballing side of things. Um, and yeah, the big name that's out there at the moment is Dan Ashworth. I kind of put a lot of this stuff in the same, you know, I give a look at a lot of disdain with all the transfer rumour mill. And for me, it's very similar with all this nowadays. There was a lot of names linked for our CEO. And in the end, when it was confirmed as Omar Barada, it came from nowhere. You know, he was barely mentioned by any of the press as the guy who it could be. And um, then he was the one who was confirmed. But yeah, Dan Ashworth now... He, for people who don't know, he is currently in place at Sporting Director as Newcastle. He's only really been there for like a year, a year and a bit. He was at Brighton before that and kind of first made his name out of West Brom, basically. But yeah, it's mostly his time at Brighton and Newcastle recently that's given him a big CV and has put him right to the top of the list. Um, I know a couple of journalists have been that you trust, right, Oshwin, have been confirming this news today. Yeah, uh, Ornstein said it, um, which is, that's good enough for me. No, nobody else really matters. Uh, as long as Ornstein says it, I think it's legit. It seems that, I mean, I, they'll obviously have to pay some compensation in Newcastle, and I'm, I'm sure that will require, you know, uh, obviously a negotiation. So it might, I don't think it's going to happen, like, today. Uh, but it, I don't know, when, when stuff like this gets out, and honestly, when you're, he's in a, he, his position in Newcastle, like, if somebody wants out of that position, I don't even know why you'd necessarily want to force them to stay. It's it's a really weird thing. Um, I think you take the compensation and, le- and and let him go. I don't know what that will entail. And obviously, we know United's finances are something that need to be managed very carefully as well at this moment. So uh, we'll see what happens there. But, I mean, everything I've read about Ashworth and everything that people have said about him is very encouraging. The work that he did with the English FA, um, the work that he did at Brighton, obviously. Brighton, a team that I think everybody is very amazed at how well they've been run uh, in recent years. And then, um, you know, Newcastle, apparently he's not happy or he's a little bit unpleased with the role that he has there. I guess it's not exactly what he envisioned. I think maybe, you know, there might be other other hands uh, getting involved with, uh, with transfer business. And maybe just business of recruitment and setting up the youth academies and all that stuff. So he might not feel maybe that like, hey, I was brought in to implement my vision, and now other people are getting involved. 
it seems that United want him to bring his expertise in creating um, a functional club at every level at the, that's aligned uh, and bring that to United. And, um, you know, for whatever it is, like whether he fails or does a good job, ultimately, if United get him, I think the bigger thing to take away from this is that this is not, you know, Ratcliffe bringing in somebody that helped the financing on the deal, right, to close for the 25% of United. This is not him bringing in some lackey of his from somewhere else. This is him bringing in somebody who has real cachet in the game that has done the job. This is, like, not a novice. This is somebody who has done the job. And, um, you know, that is a difference from the way United operated under the Glazers. Like, you brought, mentioned Omar Barada. He wouldn't have even been on the Glazers, you know, radar because he didn't help them in any way personally. He's never worked with for them. He's never worked with them. So he would have never been part of this equation. And, and now you have another name like Dan Ashworth where you're seeing, okay, these guys are about business. What I do think is interesting is if they do bring in, and they have already brought in Omar Barada, if they do bring in Dan Ashworth, like I said, Dan Ashworth, you know, he, one of his misgivings about the job in Newcastle is that he hasn't been able to maybe have the level of control um, and decision-making power that he assumed he would. It'd be interesting to see if he got hired. What does that mean for Ten Hag? And I, it does feel like Ten Hag is already in some ways maybe aware that he has got to provide some results here to 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 bring to to keep his job, quite frankly. And and maybe not just results, but I've been very encouraged by the fact that he has stuck with Garnacho and he immediately put Manu into the into the uh, starting eleven. Um, that's something I actually expected him to do earlier in the season, anyway. Until like he got hurt, unfortunately. But you know, you see these young players coming in, getting more minutes. Uh, Willie Kambwala is that he started away a to West Ham a, month, a couple months ago because of injury issues, but he's brought him in late in games. He brought in uh, Amari Forsen, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Late against Wolves, and he actually uh, got the assist uh, for Kobe Mainu. But I, I think it's you know that's that's really like what I think. If you know, assuming United were to become a well-run club, those are the players and those are the young players that you want to see coming in and getting chances and mixing in with the more experienced, uh, you know, senior players. So. We'll see what happens with Ten Hag and, and obviously Ashworth and all of this, but it is. I think it's exciting to at least see that from the from the outside looking in, it does seem that business uh, is is sh- slowly but surely changing uh, at Old Trafford. Yeah, definitely, and this is what we've needed, as we said. The Glazers just in always promoted people internally. Woodward had been around since they took over. Mm-hmm. Then they went with Arnold, who was just the next below Woodward. Uh, even Murtor had been around the club and was just promoted up from there. Instead of going out, bringing in the best people, and this is what Sergeant Ratcliffe is obviously looking to do. And in fact, I'm pleased because initially there was a lot of press about Sir David Brailsford, John Claude Blanc, who were already kind of part of the Ineos sporting network. And I actually didn't like that that much. Because, like you say, that's more him just bringing his own guys in. And they didn't necessarily have the best track record at Nice or his other sporting clubs. So I'm kind of pleased that they're more going out and looking into bring the best in class from other clubs. And 
as well. If we can nick these people from our competition, that's even better. And I think he's definitely trying to do that. You know, when he came in, he made this kind of statement about putting Manchester back in Manchester United and that he's a local Manchester guy. So it's no coincidence that he's going and trying to pick out somebody from Manchester City. It's no coincidence that he's saying, listen, Newcastle, because he knows that big Saudi money, they want to throw that around. And thankfully, because clubs are pretty scared of financial fair play at the moment, the Saudis are having to keep a lot of their money in their pockets. And that might be another reason why Dan Ashworth is ready to move because he knows that Newcastle do not have unlimited spending and have to kind of pick and choose what they can spend their money on. Whereas we've got a lot more capacity, even though, yeah, we've got our own issues on the finance side. Uh, we've got a lot more capacity to spend uh, when we do. Um, we, so, yeah, yeah like, this is... The, 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 the potential of Manchester United is obviously always going to trump, you know, Newcastle or Man City. Like, it, it, it is a sleeping giant. And I think if you get... I mean, we've talked about this. Like, Compton ownership, Compton management. Like, it's not rocket science what you need to fix... United. I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but um, hire smart people, let them do what they do, and, you know, don't butt in and don't make everything about commercial, um, you know, commercial needs and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I mean, you have to be encouraged. And even Omar Barada, I think, like, his background is, yes, he's hired, being hired to do the CEO job, and he does have a background in more of the business side. But he was working on the football side as well with City. So this is not, yes, like a CEO is primarily focused on the business. But at a football club, the business should be about football. So bring in somebody that understands that fundamentally and is not, to your point, Ed Woodward, who was a banker, right? Like he looks at Manchester United and he's like, oh, wow, we can sign so many noodle sponsors. Like look at how much money we can make. And I think there's a difference between that versus what somebody like Omar Barada hopefully um, provides. No, and as you say, Omar Barada is the CEO. The CEO does have to look after the football side and the business side. Ashworth will be more the guy below him who's totally focused on the sporting side. And yeah, I did mention Ashworth's history uh, recent at Brighton and Newcastle. But yeah, he was nine years, worked for the FA. He was director of elite development. And a lot of people give him a lot of credit for the fact that both the England men and women's team have been doing really well in recent years. Uh, apparently, he put in a lot of the groundwork for that kind of thing at youth levels and things like that. And yeah, we have seen the best for both the men and the women in recent times. So yeah, I don't want to go too much on about Ashworth because it's nothing that's confirmed, but we are definitely looking for him. But I understand Newcastle are not going to let him go lightly. And as I say, if it comes down to salaries and things, I'm sure the Saudis will slap down a bigger thing. But if he's looking at the bigger challenge, the bigger kind of club, then yeah, let's see what it works out there. And yeah, we will keep updated on all these things. There still will also be other positions to fill as well after that. You know, maybe head of recruitment. I know Paul Mitchell, Mitchell had been talked about before and things like that. There's still a whole kind of footballing board that needs to be put together. But yeah, that is the m biggest news of the day uh, is that it's more or less now done this deal to bring in 25%. Still a bit of stuff going on in the US stock market, as I said, but this should happen by Monday. But we know anyway that Sir Jim Ratcliffe has been massively involved in what's been going on around the club. He's been seen a lot around there. Uh, he was there as well at the recent uh, Munich Memorial kind of commiseration um, 
events and so it's good to see him at these things you know the glazers never came for any of these things i mean i think they knew if they came that it would just be bad and it would just cause more problems so they always stayed away but yeah he's turned up there and being pictured as well with alex ferguson uh and yeah david gill as well has been lately doing a bit of press around the club and hoping for much better times to come back again um we will take another quick break there come back and look ahead at the matches coming up and a couple of the other things going on around the club. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. So yeah, I think we're both pretty excited about the things that are happening with the takeover. You know, I make no... Apologies for the fact that I did actually want the Qatari deal, but I'm now a lot more excited about what's happening with Surgeon Ratcliffe. You know, the main dealer reason I wanted Qatar was because they wanted to buy the whole club. And we're also talking about the finance for the stadium. That's one of the things as well that's been in the news lately that Surgeon Ratcliffe is now talking a lot with even Manchester Council. He was pictured with the mayor of Manchester recently talking about what might happen with Old Trafford. Uh, you know, that's the other big thing. He has already committed another kind of 250, something like that, million for infrastructure, but that is nowhere near enough. I mean, to sort out Old Trafford is going to be taking like bare minimum a billion, and that would be more like a kind of refurbishment like we see at the Bernabeu Real Madrid, like we're seeing at the New Camp at the moment. They're doing big, big kind of refurbishments for staying in the same place. Uh, but yeah, there is the potential for us to build a whole new ground in the land we own just near Old Trafford. So, yeah, that's the other possibility. And I think he's looking into all these options at the moment. I don't think we'll see any movement on these things for several years because, uh, you know, it's big kind of plans. But hopefully some of that money can at least upgrade some of the facilities that are going on at the moment. <clears throat> I mean, after all the kind of ownership side of things, we do have to look back at the football. Our next big game coming up is... Luton Town uh, have been on a bit of a crazy run as well lately. I mean, I bet you hadn't even heard of Luton Town a few years ago, had you? <laughs> tell, tell me the truth. Had you, had you heard of Luton Town? <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I was very familiar with uh, all of the uh, great, great fare available uh, in Luton Town. No, I had no idea what Luton Town was. When I met one promotion last year, I was like, I, I honestly couldn't believe the stadium, like I was just like, I can't believe the only in European football is this possible. <laughs> it, it, it is an amazing story. I mean, yeah, even for me, and like I say, I've been around a fair while Luton. longer than you. Uh, they did, they were like part of the inaugural kind of Premier League teams, but they dropped out very quickly and went all the way down the leagues and fought their way all the way back. Um, but yeah, they're Nobody gave them any chance this season and they've been fighting for their lives. Uh, they scored four goals against Brighton, another four against Newcastle. They were 4-2 up and really unlucky yeah. to end up kind of 4-4. Somehow they then managed to lose to Sheffield United in the last game. So yeah, say they're on good form, but they actually did lose their last match. Ross uh, Berkeley's been them. really good for them. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. One of those players who kind of seemed lost. Uh, funnily enough, he was actually at Nice last season, yeah. which is Sergio Galactica's club. Didn't do much. Has come back to Luton and is, yeah, on top, top form. Uh, they've also got Tendon Mengi, our old player who's been playing pretty regularly for them and doing well. Tahith Chong is there as yeah. well. Uh, a couple of our old guys that we never were even sure if they were kind of Premier League level, but are managing to play pretty regularly and do pretty well. Um, we played them 1-0. We beat them 1-0 earlier in the season. It was a latish kind of Bruno goal. Yeah. And yeah, it was a hard fought one. Now we go away to Kenilworth Road and yeah, they're making that their kind of little mini fortress, tiny little ground. You know, we talk about small grounds like the lights of Brentford uh, have a small ground. Bournemouth as well but yeah Luton have taken the new kind of record for smallest ever ground in the Premier League I'm sure everybody's seen the pitches where you have to basically walk through some lady's house to get into the away end <laughs> or something like that and yeah I'm very sad that I did not manage to get a away ticket for this the most difficult Premier League away ticket in history basically the smallest allocation we'll have got so yeah lucky for whoever's going down to that do you know what the allocation is I haven't looked, actually, but it'll be like a few hundred, basically. I mean, for the bigger grounds, we might get about 3,000 is kind of the biggest allocation. The biggest allocations we ever get is in the cup because there's special rules that you have to give 25% of the ground to the opposition team. So, yeah, we always get the biggest allocations in those games. But in a Premier League game, it'll be rare for us to get more than two or 3,000. And I'm assuming we've got literally, I don't know, five, 600 or something like that for this game. Um but yeah, they're not going to make it easy. We are on this good run. It has been the kind of game that we've lost in the past after going on good runs and whatever. Uh, but yeah, you would say that our form, our only worry is those injured players. As I say, Martinez is out. Don't know what's happening with Luke Shaw. But apart from that, most of our lineup is settled. Because we're only playing one game a week, we don't have to worry that much about rotation either. That was always the problem when we had all those games in quick succession. So it's probably one of the first times in the season where we're all expecting a win, and that's normally where it all goes wrong. But uh, yeah, surely you're feeling quietly confident for this game, right? Yeah, I mean, you have to feel confident just because uh, it's not just the 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 games that we've won recently. It's also like... I, I Andy Mitten wrote an article today in The Athletic about how it's kind of sad that our schedule to close the season is so light because we're just in the Premier League and then obviously with the FA Cup, but there's not that many matches of that. So it's basically just one match a week. And it is sad. Obviously, you would want United to be in European competitions, you know, especially Champions League knockouts. But it is probably a benefit uh, for us, because like you, I mean, like we've mentioned multiple times in this pod and previous pods, the injuries have been a disaster for us. And I think it's easy to just say, well, you're Man United, like you need to figure it out and all this stuff. And, and I, I've been critical of Ten Hag. Everybody's been critical of Ten Hag. He's deserved criticism, but he actually has a chance now to drill these players consistently in training for full weeks you know that's that makes a massive difference if you i'm I'm sure you remember but when chelsea won the uh the premier league with antonio conte that was like Mm. a big reason for it they just they had one match a week and they could work on what they do the entire time so um this is like i this is an opportunity for us and this is like i feel more confident than i would have in other than than other matches the season went to your point we would be like well we should win this one no problem um and you know, uh, 
we always like look villa go away to fulham that's not an easy place to get a result like they, they could easily drop points there and all of a sudden maybe you're two points behind it's so yeah i mean hopefully united have to do their part obviously uh win the match on sunday but they have a chance going into luton to maybe be looking at hey we're only two points back of villa uh which if i told you that a month and a half ago you would have taken that right so um they're not too far off and they've just got to capitalize on the on the matches that you need to win they need they really need to win now um they can't afford any slip-ups and yeah like here again as you mentioned prior luke shaw being fit feels like a pretty big deal um not that we can't beat luton without him but this is a match where i would expect us to have a lot of the ball and you want your players that are best in possession creative all that stuff um available and we know that when Shaw's available it brings Rashford into the game more right it brings in a lot of more players into the game and um he just feels like a pretty big key to me to this match so hopefully he's back but yeah either way United just find a way to get three points and keep the momentum going yeah and after that our next game up is Fulham at home then we've got Forest in the cup and then we do go to play Man City away um so yeah, hopefully if we can walk in the park. Yeah, yeah, the easy one. <laughs> um but yeah, look if we can keep these players fit, keep this unbeaten record. That's been the biggest problem this season. You know, I always said people are always shocked that we were staying, you know, there was that point that doesn't seem that long ago when we were like three points behind Manchester City, even though we'd lost more games than we'd ever lost in the Premier League that year. But it's it because we weren't drawing games. We were only winning. We were only losing. So it was constantly this up and down, up and down. But now we've, we're undefeated in 2024. It's been a good year for us so far. Uh, as I say, as I go overboard on this, I know I'm probably expecting the worst for the next podcast because you still know with this team what could be around the corner. But yeah, when you see the fixture list is throwing up Luton, Nottingham Forest, Fulham, then you think surely we can get into that match with Manchester City in a couple of weeks' time and keeping that unbeaten record, hopefully. Uh, we will, Yeah, well, let's see what happens. We will come back after that Luton game for sure. I mean, the few other things that are going on at the moment around the club. A big match for MU women as well this weekend as they play Arsenal, which is also a six-pointer because MU women are in fourth place. There's only three Champions League spots. So beating Arsenal will put us one point behind. So it's a similar situation to the men. So yeah, big six-pointer in the WSL for United women this weekend. Let's hope it goes on over there. Um, I did post on Twitter as well. Did you see that Facundo Palestri yeah. made his debut out for Granada in La Liga Goal and, and became the youngest youngest player to score <laughs> and provide an assist in a La Liga away game against Barcelona. Yeah, against since Barca Samuel too, right? Eto. Yeah, against Barca. <laughs> um, it's good he though, was we have one Anthony. that I just think, Palestri, I think he didn't get enough chances. For me, whenever he came on, he looked like a player who might do something and with Anthony getting all those games again and oh. again and again, being awful. Um, yeah, I just don't know why he didn't. But anyway, look, I'm glad Palestri's doing well on loan. Let's see what happens there. But I think that nicely brings me to the question that we're going to close this podcast with, Oshwin. Uh, it's a, you know, I had a quick look at the threads on Red Cafe. I always do see what's going on in the chat. And there's a thread up there at the moment on who is your best and worst player of the season so far for us. So. You know, give me your, give me your, give me your top. I don't know if you've thought of a top three for each of these. Your best oh, and your worst, worst players of the season. 
Are we just talking about the league? Or are we doing everything? No, everything. United okay. this year, everything. this season, everything. Okay, everything. Uh, let's do bottom three since it's not exactly been the uh, the great season <laughs> for us. Uh, Anthony, leading leading the, the group, uh, definitely the worst player of the season for many reasons, both on and off the pitch. Um, he's just been terrible, and he still hasn't scored or assisted in the league yet this season, right? So, yeah, he got those FA Cup goal assist and celebrated yeah. it like he'd won the oh World Cup God. or something. But <laughs> that is his World Cup. Um, that's his level. Anyway, uh, yeah, he that he's been god awful, and honestly, just the less I see of him, um, the better. Uh, he he's just been, geez, just an atrocious player. Um, yeah, you'd think there's a lot of competition for worst kind of players. I mean, look, Onana earlier in the season yeah. was obviously looking very dodgy, and. You know, he it is down to him that we went out of the Champions League. Yes. But in the league, he's been okay. And as I said, for the first time, he's actually did win the vote on uh, the official United website for the first time as player of the match in this Villa game, made several saves. And generally, he has been okay in the Premier League. There, you know, there's been a few yeah. dodgy moments and a few where you kind of thought he could have done better, but there wasn't any complete complete fuck-ups in the Premier League, whereas there was clearly in the Champions League in several different games. So, yeah, I think I think he kind of deserves a mention, but he's, you know, I, I he's think getting you, better. I think you put him there, though. I think, but I think you have to put him there for now because, to your point, he is the reason we're out of the Champions League. Like, that matters a lot. That has to count for a lot. So, I, 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 I agree with you. Like, I don't... I don't view him yet as like, oh, another flop, horrible signing. Um, I think... You know, goalkeepers are weird. Sometimes it takes them time to get adjusted, and they have huge errors and whatever. And, like, he's looked better in the league. Obviously, we're only playing in the league now. So maybe he can close out the year strong, and we'll look back on this. But I think for now, I'd put him in that bottom three, I guess, just because the Champions League run was so bad. Um, And then, I mean, it's hard to pick somebody in midfield because we just talked about McTominay earlier, and it's like you're punishing him for... And I can't. And even if even if you think he's terrible in midfield, he scored seven goals. So I, no, no, Scott McTominay him, cannot yeah, be yeah, in this list. Yeah, just he can't. He can't purely be purely for the amount of goals yeah. he scored for us right. this season. Right. I mean, Mason Mount in that thread gets a lot of mentions. He hasn't played. I totally enough. understand why. You know, we paid a lot of money yeah. for him, he, but he's been injured like for the vast majority of the season. He's really not played much, uh, so I find it difficult. I mean, I would put him in a kind of disappointment of the season list but i just think he hasn't really played enough to be talked about as one of the worst players i think the third has to be and it's funny because i mentioned him earlier that i think he's about to turn the corner and i think it has to be marcus rashford i mean he was terrible for until the last five or six until basically 2024 um he's just been invisible and and not just invisible like he is the he, like he's supposed to be one of the leaders of the team, and his body language at times on the pitch was awful. Um, he said something like he just was not cutting, uh, you know, the figure of somebody who was happy. He seemed distracted, didn't seem like he cared at, at many points. Um, so I think that has to be your top three, right? Anthony one, and then if you however you want to put Onana Rashford, I, I'd probably put Rashford above Onana just because. As the established player, and not just the established player, he was our key man last year. 
you know, like yeah, on expectations was... of the year before. And like, if you'd asked this question at Christmas, then no doubt, like Rashford yeah. had to be in that list, especially off his form last season. But he has been, like we said, in a lot better form in the last few games. He is now on five goals and a couple assists for the kind of season. So he's not been anywhere near as bad in the last couple of months. So he's kind of looking like he can save his season. And yeah, I did mention, like, you know, for me, Bruno's been a massive disappointment this year. Uh, he's not hitting anywhere. It's his worst season by far in terms of goals and assists. And by a long, long way as well. So I think he I have some kind of sympathy sub- with him on the assists. Yeah, I mean, I, look, if you're making those chances and people aren't scoring them, it's one thing. But I don't think he's creating anywhere near what he was for us. I mean, that was often a problem before. You know, he was right at the top of the list of creation. And then it's about players missing those chances. But this season, I don't know. I just really don't see and don't think Bruno he, Fernandes is offering enough for us this year. Anywhere near so enough. The, the for his expected assists, he's at eight, so he's been underperformed by three by his teammates. But to their point about how profligate he's been in front of goal, his XG's five and a half. He has three goals, mm. so he's not doing his part either. So I mean, that's it's it. Good. As I say, in disappointment. So you know, yeah. Rashford gets a lot of flack. Bruno plays every game, week in, week out, and has had a very disappointing season for me. So I think he kind of definitely deserves like a mention in there. I do think he's playing a bit safer, though, than he used to. Uh, that was always the thing with him. You know, he'd always go for that Hollywood ball. And, kind of, and I think that Ten Hag has asked him to rein that in a bit. So he's tending to be a bit safer with his passing, but then we're not getting as many chances from him. But yeah, are I we, think that's... Are we I allowed think... to include a... Are we... Are we allowed to give shout-outs to uh, Jaden Sancho? Oh, yeah. And, Sancho uh... definitely deserves a mention in this. In <laughs> fact, I, mean, I forgot about Sancho. I think, in fact, yeah, he comes in straight after Anthony for me. Uh, in kind of arsehole of the season. 68 or... minutes. <laughs> you know? He's, he played 68 minutes, and every single one of them was awful. <laughs> yeah, we've not missed him. That's the big thing. We, we've not missed him. Um, yeah, look, I think we're all agreed that Anthony is top of this list, you know, we don't want to talk about how much money is spent and whatever, but it was a crazy amount of money and he is the one. And then, yeah, Jaden Sancho in there and then a few other mentions after that. But yeah, let's talk about best player of the season. So who who's your vote going for? I'm going to go with the redemption arc that nobody wanted over the, over the summer. Uh, Harry Maguire. I'm going to go with Harry. Fair enough. Fair enough. I think he's been really good. I mean, and he's, he's had to fight through. Look, Ten Hag didn't want him. The, the club was had accepted a bid for him, um, which Ten Hag obviously was happy to sanction. Uh, fans, even, like, not that, I, I don't think any of us was, like you mentioned, it's not like you're going to matches and you're booing Harry Maguire or anything like that. But I think most of us were like, okay, yeah, you know, maybe it's just time. It's time for him to go. It hasn't worked out, whatever. And, you know, you're also at the point where you're like, look, Lissandro's ahead of you, Varane's ahead of you, Lindelof's ahead of you, Shaw's ahead of you. Like all these players are ahead of you. Why are you staying here? He stays. He capitalizes on the opportunity that all these injuries have created. He's been steady. I don't think the, you know, all these, the famous, you know, like catalog of errors that people have made of his mistakes in the past. I don't think there's a lot of them this year. I think he's been one of our most stable performance and, and he's, he's, just been solid and I, I I don't know I just have a lot of respect for how he's pulled through of 
this adversity. And, and you know, he talked about in the summer that uh, Beckham had had talked to him mm-hmm. about like you know how everything he dealt with coming back from the '98 World Cup and how he got over that. And it feels like that was a useful conversation for him because, you know, honestly. I, I think people forget how good he actually was for us his first two seasons at the club, but he had become a little skittish, and I don't see that nearly as much now. I mean, I, I, I think he's been genuinely dependable and good, and he should be and is deserved to be one of the first names on the team sheet most of the season. Yeah, I think that is a good shout. I mean, he, he's up there on my list. But yeah, I would give the award so far this season to Alejandro Garnacho. Uh, as I say, he did play a bit last year, but this is his first kind of big season where he's a big part of that first 11. And the great thing is that he's solving that right wing issue for us. That's been a problem for us for so long. Uh, he was already doing good things on the left side. Goal of the season is obviously his overhead kick as well. Um, if he can start adding in some more assists to his game, then he is going to be one of the top, top players. And that's the only bit that's still missing. Sometimes it's the same with Rashford, that decision-making of often they're going for that shot when they could be putting in Hoyland. And we say, you know, Hoyland hasn't had enough service. But yeah, for me, I'm giving Alejandro Garnacho the player of the season so far. Honourable mentions are Kobe Mainu, for sure. He hasn't played enough though to be kind of getting this award but he's been brilliant every time he's played and by the end of the season I'm sure he'll have a good shout for that. Hoyland as well has had a good first kind of season. He did have that kind of low patch so you know we're not going to be giving that award but for a first young player that raw come in he's now hitting this form I think he deserves a mention. And even even in his low patch like he was scoring in the Champions League during that that point in the league when he wasn't scoring. So, look, he has 11 goals and two assists, I think, on the season now. Like, he's got a chance to finish around 20 goals, which would be an incredible first season for him. Um, in all competitions, obviously, I'm talking about. But I think his season's actually been a little bit underrated because of how much attention that goal-scoring drought in the league got. But, yeah, Garnacho has... I don't think it's just about his production. And yeah, to your point, yeah, he's addressed the right the right wing issue. I think his mentality for a player of his age, given the kind of pressure that being an attacking player at United is, especially when we haven't been scoring goals, um, you know, he came into an attack that was not hitting any form. He started off the season poorly. Ten Hag, Ten Hag even said, you know, he has to learn how to impact matches from the start, not just come in as a sub. That's the next step for him. And, you know, the left wing has not necessarily been something that he's thrived in this year. And moving to that right wing has helped him. But I think just his ability to continue to work and when he messes up, when, like, I I think it says something about him, right, against Newport when Hoyland yelled at him, like, cross me the ball, I'm I'm open, like, I'm here. Some young players can take that and, and not respond in the proper way. And the way he's responded from that has been really, really encouraging. And And honestly, again, like, I just keep no, saying he's it. ready to learn. And you remember early in the season that both Ten Hag and Bruno had made some comments about his work rate, about things like that. And he took it on board and just kept going. He didn't like throw his toys out the plan or anything. So that's it. He's ready to learn. And, and he works hard. Uh, and, and yeah, and he yeah. works hard. He tracks back. He like like he's not perfect because he's a young player. He's, and nobody's perfect anyway. But you can see the effort with him. You can see that he 
he's willing to fight, right? Like when when things are not going well, he wants the ball. He he's willing to take that responsibility, and that's not something that you can teach. That's something you have. So the season he's having, can, all things considered, I think, uh, yeah. If if, Maguire, if it wasn't Maguire, I would have gone with Garnacho, um, because I just agreed like agree with everything you talked about. He's just been honestly like a breath of fresh air especially with like you know Anthony being the biggest disappointment yeah. right like it was so toxic and it honestly it was honestly hard at times for me to even care about watching some of these matches but when you have a player like him who's young and like you like you mentioned willing to learn and takes on board criticism doesn't he doesn't you know you compare his reaction to Sancho right um when you see that like it it is it's nice as a fan um and then if I had to like I mean I know He's only just come back in the team, but Kobe Minu, uh, I'm, I'm all in. I, you know, I, yeah, I'm yeah. All in. We're both, we're, you know, I'm, like uh, I said, we'll save that for the end of the season. Let's build the statue. He's like early back in. <laughs> let's build the uh, statue. The only other one that I wanted to give a mention to is Johnny Evans, just because he's done a great job whenever he's come in. In the summer, a lot of opposition fans and even our own fans were going crazy that we'd even bought him back in. They were like, "Oh, what's this state of the club?" But he's come in every time, being good done a dependable job uh you know he's not really played enough to be talking about getting that award but yeah he has been great when he was coming but yeah we're totally agreed anthony also the worst yeah. and then yeah one one vote for maguire from you and one vote for me for alejandro garnacho also also would just say um diogo dallo is not a player i've always loved but i think his recent form has been really really encouraging if he keeps this up i think he'll be in the mix, or at least he'll be an honorable mention um, at the end of the season. Yeah, he does deserve it. In fact, that assist was brilliant on the weekend. So yeah, he does deserve a mention. But yeah, I think that is the perfect place to round off over here. Uh, We will be back after that Luton Town game. And hopefully we've kept that unbeaten run going at least. And even better if we've kept the winning run going. So yeah, thanks, Oshua, for joining us again. I know you hadn't been on the podcast for a while. But yeah, we'll be back next week and see who's on that one. Good night for now. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.